Hello and welcome back to the My Entertainment World podcast. Today we have another installment of the nominee interview series for you. Um, about half of which is happening on the podcast feed. The other half is happening on the website, myentertainmentworld.ca. So be sure to check out everything that's happening over there with the, for the full list of interviews for our Critic Picks Awards nominations for 2023. Today I'm speaking with the team behind Our Little Secret, the 23andMe musical, which was a huge hit at the Fringe and is nominated this year for Outstanding New Work. I'm speaking with Noam Tamashoff, who is the writer and uh, source material, I guess, the inspiration as well as the performer. Um, Ryan Peters, who is the composer, and Russell Citron, who is the producer on the team. They are lifelong friends and... um, It's really interesting to talk to them to hear about the ways in which their friendship informed their working dynamic and how the musical came to be. So I hope you enjoy our conversation and I'll see you on the other side. Okay, so let's start with a round of introductions, your name and your role in the production. Okay, my name's Noam Tomashoff. I am the writer and performer of Our Little Secret and it's based on my own true story. Um, I'm Ryan Peters. I'm the composer for the show. I'm Russell Citra and I'm the producer. Okay. And so my first question, let's go in the same order, but my first question is always, do you remember your first experience with theater? (laughs) Yes. Well, there's, it's a, for me, it's like two, because I remember at elementary school when we did a production of, um, Oliver Twist and I was Bill Sykes. Uh, but and I said I did that I didn't realize what was going on but then when I was at summer camp I did a production of Mamma Mia and I was Sam and I sang SOS and that was really fun but then when I real but what made me realize that like theater could be a thing was that when I got back from camp my parents were like oh my god you have to see this you have to see this and I was like what did we finally get a new tv and I go upstairs And it's the old TV, so I was upset. But then on the TV was the VHS recording of Mamma Mia from camp. And my parents were like, this is amazing. This is amazing. I was like, oh, really? Okay. All right. Maybe I'll do some theater. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, my first experience with theater was was also in elementary school. Um, my, My mother... I took piano lessons. She seemed to think I could sing maybe. So she, she forced me to audition for a, a program running Joseph and the Technicolor dream code. And I later found out that she hid sort of, she hid behind a wall, like during the auditions, you know, to make sure that I was actually like auditioning for the show. I was in third grade. So that was my first, first brush with, with the stage. He's like, Polonius and Claudius hiding behind. It's like that. Yeah. She didn't get stabbed through the arrows though. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, The first one I remember, I think I was in second grade. I did the Lion King and I was Simba. It's been all downhill from there. Uh, And then there's one I don't remember. I think it's summer camp. A couple years earlier, I I was in your good man, Charlie Brown. I was probably like five or six. I'm pretty sure I was Linus, but I have zero recollection of it. (laughs) And from did, from the Lion King to the Lioness. <laughs> how did your professional partnership start and why does it work so well? Well, I mean, we first got together as a group of friends in high school because we were kind of in the high school musical and and 
you know, Ryan played piano and we figured out that it was really fun to sing and do harmonies and like get out, gather around the piano in the basement and play through Rent and play through different musicals. And so much so that when we were assigned to do a drama project in grade 11, um, we sort of declined to do the project we were assigned and instead wrote a musical. So the history goes, goes, goes way back to there. And um, it's, uh, it's, uh, it's, uh, we think, we think it's a fairly unique sort of, uh, uh, you know, partnership or, or group that, that we have. And it's been, it's been cool to reconnect and rekindle. Not that we ever fell out of touch, but it's been, it's been cool to reconnect creatively in this way that we, we haven't for, for, you know, quite a while. Because there was that initial musical that we did in high school, which was started out as a drama project, but then evolved into a fully fledged production with a set at a theater that we sold tickets to. You know, we we it's kind of similar to our frame strategy. We pounded the pavement of our high school and made sure that everyone had a ticket to that show and uh, put it on for a couple of nights. And then we all kind of went our separate ways for a while. Like I went to drama school and then I went to New York and LA and was doing film and stuff and then Ryan became a teacher and Russell became an entrepreneur and then once my once the inciting incident for this play occurred in my life it was really time to like gather the troops and that's when the whole uh, sort of group was corralled back together so Noam our little secret is based on a very true very personal story how did you decide that you wanted to make it into a musical and did you struggle at all with the vulnerability of that Well when when the story came about which you know to, to be clear was the story of when I discovered that my when I ordered a 23 and me DNA test um, and told my parents about it they told me and they were forced to tell me that my dad who raised me is not my biological father. Uh, so <laughs> they used a sperm donor and they kept it a secret for my entire life. Uh, so that was the moment that sort of changed everything. And when it happened, it took us a couple of weeks to kind of like digest that news and like call all my friends and be like, you're going to lose it. I'm going to tell you something right now, <laughs> which we did with them. Uh, and, you know, I, I struggled to see an alternative than to make something with it. I had to do something. Like as a creative person, it was either going to remain like a chaotic and overwhelming piece of, you know, information, or I was going to turn it into something artistic. And eventually, pretty quickly, given the group and like kind of our proclivities, the musical revealed itself as like the correct format. Um, Ryan, can you walk us through the process of writing the music and doing justice to Noam's story? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> we, my wife and I had, 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 you know, we purchased a, a house and we were set to move in. Um, this was last April. And Noam said, you know, is it okay if I come stay with you for like the following 10 days and we write this musical? Because I know you're off school, like you have a break. Um, and I actually teach at the high school where we where we attended as students. So there's some humor or like nostalgia related to that. Um, but Noah moved into the house a week after we moved in, like as the third, you know, tenant. Um, and we like bunkered ourselves down there. And it was like an incredibly focused flow state. Um, 
sort of week of time, five days of time. Noam came prepared as as we used to do in the past with about 75 to 80% of the lyrics pre-written, which we then tweaked and and sort of, and then together we sort of, me behind the piano, taking sort of cues from Noam, rhythms he was hearing, melodies he was hearing, putting into chords. Um, and then there were times where we were collaborating together and writing music and and lyrics together. And, and Russell was a part of that mix as well, sort of on and off offering his 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 helpful input and, and being part of the fun in that way. But after that five, six days, you know, we emerged with like a crazy, you know, like 10, 10, 11, like original songs, like, you know, it all happened. It all happened very quickly. Um, and so it was a very concentrated um, writing process. To give you a sense of the energy that came out from those five days, like at the end of those five days, or I think it was on maybe day four, I was just at home having dinner with like my parents, my grandparents, my sister, her husband, like just a nice family dinner. And Noam and Ryan like come over with a guitar. They're like, we wrote the song of the show and pull out the guitar and just break into a live performance for my grandparents. My siblings is a hilarious moment, but it was the song of the show. And there was just so much energy around those days. So it was, it was really special. So, Russell, maybe more than any other producer during the Fringe, you were on it with prom promotion and ended up selling out. What, other than having just a great show, would you say is the secret to Fringe success? Um, I wish there was a secret. I don't know. I think it's, at the beginning, Noam, I think it's more of a mindset. Like, Noam said, look, we were told at a meeting that you, you should expect to sell out 30%. And I said, well, no, this, I think the show is amazing and we should aim to sell out 100% before the festival, festival even starts. And we want to build hype. And actually, when Noam uh, asked me to be producer, I called him and I said, look, I would love to do this. I love the show, but I want to make sure that if we do this, we're thinking big, like we're dreaming big. Like this isn't, I really think the show is is the best thing that, that Noam and, and Ryan and we ha have ever done. And Noam... It, these guys are such geniuses. And I was like, guys, we are doing this justice and we're going to aim to sell out. So we basically set the goal. And then we're just, once the goal is set, you just have to accomplish the goal. So it's okay. How are we doing that? And we came up with all these strategies of different marketing avenues and yeah, I mean, to, to make it happen. And you know, when I was a kid going to the fringe, my, my, my memory is not really even of the shows that I saw, but it's more like how, when I was standing in line for the shows, like, other shows would come and actually like do bits from their show. Like they would, it was like one-to-one -one pitching. Um, and that was the mentality that like I kind of knew would be most effective. So like we all made like a huge effort to take advantage of the different like events that Fringe organized in the lead up. Like there was a, we got to busk in one instance and like, you know, pride was happening. So I was there like, you know, in the main stream on church street, like hand pitching the show to individuals. Um, there was also like, you know, we, we kind of really reached out to our core friend group and like family and, and immediate circles to like, you know, make sure that they were there and that they, they told their friends because again, like word of mouth is a huge piece of it. Um, and of course, because we had this sort of like personal story element that was like sort of hooky in itself, we tried to pitch that angle to different outlets so that we could get interviews and like, uh, you know, magazine pieces and radio sort of spots about the show using that as like the angle to get in. 
Yeah, we really had like an all-out approach. We had the PR, we had the social media, we had the in-person, we had the busking, we had all the different angles, and then just a bunch of energy <laughs> and drive to make sure that that it happened. Speaking of having family and friends in the audience, the the performance I attended, Noam, your parents were there. So one of the most memorable songs in the show tackles the fact that your, your your parents' reaction to the concept of telling the story publicly. How has their perspective shifted with the success of the show, or has it? Well, which song are you referring to? <laughs> the one, it's it's about them being upset about every people will talk was the yeah. thing I remember. Yeah. People talk. Yeah. I mean, so that that moment is that like sort of encapsulates my dad's initial like his the first two thirds of his you know uh grappling with the reality that this show was happening the first kind of really was like denial and the second was like and sort of stewing about the nightmare in his mind of like how this would be perceived by like people that he knows and people that he doesn't know um but we all kind of went on like a, a conjoined journey up until the show where like as I said, he was sort of in denial about it and then really stressed about it. And then once like I kind of made it clear that this was happening and also that like, don't worry, it's going to be good. Uh, he had no choice but to turn around and like start to inform his friends and family that this was re the, the story and that the show was happening. And pretty quickly, uh, he became one of like the driving marketing forces behind the show. Like he really pounded the pavement with us to market the show and in doing so, like told everyone the story. So it was a huge turnaround from him. And he's still very, uh, you know, involved in the evolution of the show. Like there are a couple of new songs that we've written and he's definitely made his opinion very clear about some of these new songs and like how he feels about them and like how he thinks he's represented. So he's kind of part of the team. Um, and I I, have, I think he'll be there for, you know, upcoming shows as well. I mean, having them involved is like a big sort of pay, like payoff and part of the show at the end. Um, speaking of how he's represented, were you striving for accuracy or were you willing to take some, uh, uh, ch make some changes in order to serve dramatic purposes? I did not want to make changes um, because... I it kind of feels like cheating to me at this stage. Like there's so much that's real and true and it's all like, it all makes sense. There's nothing that like is true that kind of doesn't serve the story because the story is just kind of w what is. So no, I, I wanted to keep it as accurate as possible. I mean, I wasn't like doing his accent yet um, or kind of other things, but the essential pieces of like the emotional journey, I tried to keep, accurate to life. Um, how did the cha show change and develop through the rehearsal process and leading up to it? Well, as Ryan said, like, you know, the music was worked out um, before the, the text. Uh, I had like a vague, well, because I organized the show into different songs, which represented the different like key moments over the, of the journey. And then once we had the songs, I had to turn around and go uh, rehearse and devise the text that would go in between the songs to link it all together. So the show was finalized and sort of written in rehearsal, which was the month or so leading up to June. 
of you know 2023. Um, and so what were some of the unexpected challenges you encountered during the process? Um, well, you know, the hour limitation at Fringe for everybody, like, you know, an hour kind of, they bend time in the sense that an hour is like, oh God, there's not enough time to fit this all in, but also it's an hour and it's so long. So, uh, doing the story justice and making sure that it's like a, you know, a self-contained, like wholly satisfying piece within that time frame that, you know, doesn't leave anything major out, uh, was, was, uh, one of the big things. I would say, I would say technically, you know, we experienced a few challenges because we had such a high level of care about our product and, you know, the space we had was beautiful, right? But, you know, it's an old theater. They get crank off the air conditioning one second before the show, you know, so as to not, um, you know, we rented what we were assured was, you know, the highest quality microphone from Long and McQuaid, you know, and for the most part, we experienced success, but but there were some times, you know, where we had to overcome some obstacles there. You only have like an hour or two to run tech. And so we, you know, we, 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 we did our best to program the whole show, you know, with the, the lighting board and the soundboard, you know, you know, so I think, I think those frankly were, were some of our biggest challenges, you know, taking this, this thing that we had built and, and wanting to feel like we were doing it justice within the time and space and tech constraints um, of, of the venue. Um, but it all worked out, I think quite nicely. Like the fringe, anybody who's done the fringe can relate to the anxiety that comes from, doing your three hour tech and not having run the show ever before you actually do it. Uh, you know, you assume like, Oh, very few technical elements, like no props. It's a one minute show. Like we'll definitely get to run it once. And no, your, your run through is opening night. I'm like, which is crazy. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there was one show where the mic was so uh, irritating. Like it would make like a, a knocking sound. I'm not sure if this is the one you were at. And after the fourth song, they just turned off the mic and no one, no one had to go no mic. And he did it amazingly like he has such a powerful voice but it was it was a, it was a mid-game adjustment i knew that was this because that was the second night we had mic trouble and once it started doing that crazy mic like like these pops i was like they're gonna turn it off there's no they can't fix this i'm because i don't go off stage no one's gonna fiddle with it and i don't think it was the connection so i accepted that and i knew that i was just gonna have to like you know park and bark that show <laughs> <laughs> Um, do each of you have a favorite moment or song in the production? Well, my, I think, you know, my perspective is a little unique because it's like from a performance side, like I love to perform the song uh, in the middle of the show where I discover, where I go online, log on to 23andMe and like get all the results. Um, because that one it's it's like really playful and it kind of transitions between a few different styles and uh it's like in this show there's a lot of singing you know and a lot of kind of challenging singing and i have to like figure out how where to take my active recovery so that song is fun and i also considered it a bit of active recovery because it's not as vocally challenging so i get a little like fake break in the middle of the show Russ, do you have a moment? I, I have a play on the question, so I'll save myself for last. But do you have a favorite moment in the show? Sure. Uh, I think my favorite moment in the show is when Noam finds out from his parents 
and it's all this comedy and it's like, it's not, it goes from, it's just another morning at the cottage to it's not a normal morning at the cottage. And then quickly he flips a switch and it's this natural moment where he goes from like his humorous, funny self to being angry and serious. He's like, it doesn't make sense. And he, you see all his emotions. So I think that's probably my favorite uh, moment in the show. I was going to reference that moment when Noam is the reveal occurs and he says, it's not another morning at the cottage. It it's a, it's a reliable audible laugh. Um, but what I was going to say is what I've observed after seeing the show in some different contexts, um, it, we visited the 23 and me headquarters in, in California and performed it there for their whole like team. We saw it at fringe. We sort of a couple different engineering spaces is that there are moments in the show like we we all know Noam very well. So from the first note, you know, we're reacting in a certain way. But if you don't know him, Noam at all, um, there are sort of moments in the show where you can feel like, oh, they're they're getting it. They're getting it. They're getting it more. They're feeling it more. Um, it starts with Russell's moment at the beginning. And then there are moments later in the show. Those are my favorite moments when, when I sort of feel the audience cracking and and sort of getting it emotionally um those are my favorite moments and we sort of achieve that in the hour hour whatever it is i may cheat and add one more i just think it's just because it's it's just unique like we've been friends for so long since high school and when you get to the end of the show and noam has just left his entire self on stage like he's given everything and the play is so brilliant and he's finally standing there and the audience gets up and gives a standing out. That is like, it's such a magical moment, at least for me and probably Ryan and those who don't know him because you've just seen his whole life progression and then this huge twist and how he chose to process that, write it into a musical uh, and then just perform it with so much true, real, raw emotion and leave everything on stage. It's, it's actually surreal to see. It's, it's very special. Um, what have been some of your favorite reactions to the show? I want to talk oh, about the 23andMe sort of well, moment The 23andMe uh, performance was pretty crazy. It, basically, you know, I was I was moving out of L.A., so I like had my whole apartment in the car, and I drove up to San Francisco, and um, Ryan met me there. Russell did not come because he got COVID. <laughs> So the morning of, he he had to not come, uh, but my dad did come, and uh, they had organized for me to perform the show in their lunchroom at lunch, which is the best way to ensure that everyone's there. So, you know, come lunchtime, uh, I was waiting backstage, which was in their, like, fitness slash yoga studio like there's a yoga class in in sort of happening and i'm waiting to go on stage and the entire company of like 250 people is sitting in the lunchroom kind of knowing what to expect like they're like oh there's some sort of like music because sometimes they have like you know talks and stuff like that and then ryan goes up and introduces the show try to like warm up the crowd and it was so unique because it was like this is a truly raw like audience here um and so there was the reaction we got there was like tremendous because there's a line where i like make fun of them a little bit like it's finally here they took their sweet time a month and a half to run a test on slime and they were like (laughs) (laughs) 
And then I mentioned later that like the reason I bought the show was for the, uh, the, the test was because it was on sale. And so all the marketing team was like, summer sale. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was really cool. Um, but but on a, like on a personal level at the fringe, um, a, you know, a lot of people came to see the show because they had heard about it through the like so so donor conceived circles, like, you know, groups that had formed in the past couple of years of people who have found each other through DNA tests, found out stories like similar to mine. Um, and so this kind of kind of spread a little bit through the donor conceived channels and people had come like there was a woman who came from like uh, Halifax and she was like, she came up to me and my dad after the show and she was like, this was so amazing to see like how you guys process this like I want to like it's going to make me I, I'm going to talk to my dad about it like and my dad was like, give me your number I will talk to your dad like I'll help, you know. <laughs> And also uh, this woman brought her daughter who was nine to come and see the show because the, the girl was donor conceived. And so the woman was like, Oh, like it'd be so great for her to see this like represented. And she loved it so much. And she came up to me after and was like, I have eight half siblings too. Like, we're, like we're the same. Um, and then she came again at the final performance and like wrote a message on the poster. It was really nice. <laughs> Um, so you mentioned that there's new songs. What are um, where does the show go from here, and what's next? Well, creatively, you know, there are a couple things that we wanted to get into on a on a deeper level, which you know we can do if we add a few, like ten to fifteen minutes, twenty minutes to the show. Um, uh, creatively, we, I delve a little more into my parents' point of view and history and sort of like rounding out them as actual characters in the show rather than people I sort of refer to. Um, so like, for example, one of the new songs is my mom's song, which gives her like sort of point of view on how she dealt with me and my dad, like over the course of the year, because in the, in the fringe version, she doesn't have a song, but now she sort of like bursts out with this, like, sort of showstopper number where she sort of proclaims to the world like what it's been like dealing with us sort of two divas and uh, being the mediator <laughs> there's a another song um which details a, a, an event that that you know russell and i remember well noam found out this you know life altering news and as as fate would have it he had a wedding in where was it Vermont. In, right, of course. He had a wedding in Vermont. So he had this like six, eight hour drive to like sit and stew with this information, during which point he called us and we were sort of part of that initial, you know, reveal. Um, the, the song's called In a Volvo. Um, and it sort of details, you know, what went down, you know, in that Volvo in terms of processing um, the news. So I don't think we add like more like plot points that the timeline stays relatively the same. We go for more depth sort of within that year of Noam's life from revelation to, and there's a meta theatrical part of it too, to the creation and performance of the musical piece. Yeah. So what comes next? Uh, very exciting. We haven't announced it yet. Uh, there are lots of fun updates. We will hint uh, a few things, I guess. One thing is, international just because we want to post it on our social media but we have one international uh thing confirmed for the year 
And then we have lined up uh, a couple of very exciting things for a run at some bigger stages and some very exciting development, which we will be uh, releasing soon. So we are definitely uh, full steam ahead. We've been working really, really hard uh, nonstop since the fringe uh, to turn the show into what uh, we all really believe it can be. And it's been, it's been fun. It's been challenging. It's been exciting. Uh, and there's a lot of really exciting stuff to look forward to. Great. Um, so now's your opportunity. If you have anything you want to plug, socials, any other projects, go for it. Yes. Well, you can definitely follow us on social media at Our Little Secret Musical on Instagram. That is where we post. Um, and if you want to hear where we are going next and don't want to follow us on social media or don't have Instagram, uh, you can go to our website, OurLittleSecretMusical.com, where we have a brand new uh, promo reel. Uh, about the show. We have a new website and we have a wait list uh, so that you are the first to find out uh, when tickets go on sale next. Then do you have anything you'd like to add? Yeah, I would like to add that it was just such a nice surprise uh, on New Year's Day to go on Instagram and see that we were nominated for this award. It's such an honor um, and really came out of, out of nowhere. We weren't expecting it and we are so excited. Uh, and we're grateful uh, to you for having us uh, on the podcast as well. So thank you so much. Um, and we're looking forward to keeping in touch. All right. Well, thanks so much, guys. It was great to meet you. Thank you. Great thank to meet you. you. Great meeting you. You too. Thank you so much for tuning in. Make sure to check out the website, myentertainmentworld.ca, for all of our coverage and the entire nominee interview series, both podcast, audio versions, and we have a bunch in print for you this year. So make sure you don't miss anything from the series as well as our other podcast series that are happening all the time. So make sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts. Follow us on social media at myentworld, my ENT world on both X and Instagram, as well as myentertainmentworld on Facebook. Uh, thanks again.